Hey family, I'm your host, Tiffany Haney Brown, and you're listening to the Peculiar Citizen Podcast. Today, I'm covering part two of my mental wellness series with a little nuance because there's a big segment of the world's population that gets very little attention, caregivers. Caregivers are the MVPs and bread and butter of many families, but are quite honestly, very often neglected or underappreciated members of society. But what about when the pillars of the family or community have nothing left to give and need help themselves? Let's get into it. And if you like what you hear, don't forget to follow or subscribe so you don't miss an episode. There are only four kinds of people in this world. Those who have been caregivers, those who are currently caregivers, those who will be caregivers, and those who will need caregivers. Caregiving is universal. That's a quote from Rosalind Carter, the former first lady of the United States, who recently passed uh, in November. And the seasonal caregiving, that's the term that I coined myself, it can be for months or years at a time. Um, there are different reasons why we will care give for a child or a family member with a chronic medical condition or an adult child that's caring for an aging parent. Johns Hopkins Medicine, they use a phrase called family caregiver, meaning individuals who care for members of their family of origin, but also refers to those who care for their family of choice. And there are about 14% of caregivers that are African-American, 17% are Latino, and 5% are Asian, according to the National Alliance for Caregiving. And it's definitely a balancing act between your own life and dealing with possibly your own health challenges or raising children. And the spectrum of care it just depends on that person's individual health circumstances that you're care, caring for whether they they may have critical, very critical health issues or something that's uh, more on the lighter end. And there's also that financial aspect that can become burdensome if you do have more of a lack in funds to care for that person. And it usually falls to one person despite sometimes others being available. And of course, that's another different podcast episode, but then um, women usually are usually the ones that are delegated to this role, considering that we're we're thought to be the, the more nurturing, and sometimes we are more nurturing. But it also uh, can be a very alienating experience for some because your life doesn't look like a lot of your peers, and they understandably won't know or share in that part of your life that they don't have any resonation with um, because it's not fun or exciting or they can maybe feel sorry or sad for you or they really don't know how to come alongside and be a support to you. And there are also people that may just assume you're too busy to hang out or they're just insensitive because they really don't understand what you're going through. And my experience for caregiving um, well, it started probably around the age of 14, but even began a little earlier than that. I really felt like God helped me to understand that this would be my mission for a season in my life because I was 
reading a Sesame Street book that for some reason was the most, like the clearest thing I've ever remembered reading. Maybe reading some like children's stories from my mom's um, children's children's book series with Bible stories in it. But this was a story that was talking about these two, a mother and a daughter in a Sesame Street book. They're actually walking up to the zoo. They're getting ready to go into the zoo. And the daughter tells the mom, they look like little puppet characters there. Um, so the daughter tells the mom, let's switch places. I'll be the mom and you be the daughter. And so they're going through the zoo and the daughter is the mom chastising the mom doing all these silly kid-like things and at the end of the trip when they get to the the end of their trip they actually switch places and that was such a vivid moment for me and i didn't really fully process it but i really felt like this was god kind of in a way like a prophetic way of explaining to me this was going to be my role for my life for a while and that journey really started pretty earnestly around the age of 14 when my mom um, because my mom was bipolar she was having an episode and i realized when she was getting sick it was right before christmas time and i was like mom you got you got to go into the hospital we you gotta pack your stuff, you gotta go. And you know, I'm an only child. So when you're an only child of, of a single parent from my mom's side that I'm an only child, you you have these responsibilities that are just kind of put on you. The onus is almost on you to help your your parent because there's no other no other um, children, there's no spouse to kind of step up. So, you know, that was where my journey began, where I had to at times get her help because at times she didn't know that she needed the help. And that became, you know, pretty big burden after a while for me. And as I'm going off to college and I didn't go far, I just was commuting back and forth because I knew that she needed me to be close by. So I started to begin to experience some of my own um, mental health issues where I was experiencing depression and anxiety. And I had to kind of take a step back. And even though my mom had her moments of she was having her episodes, but she was always very much letting me be in touch. Like if I'm not feeling well, you know, to go to reach out to someone and that's exactly what I did. So I was able to, you know, start therapy and treatment and able to kind of get my bearings um, around doing something that was really new. And also basically, uh, you know, basically it was a burden. It was a loving burden. But at the time I did not really have any support and I was really too young to really know all the way that this isn't really my complete responsibility, but I'm taking it on because you know I really love my mother. And I am thankful though that through that process, even before I 
fell in love with Jesus. You know, God allowed me to balance my responsibilities, going to school and taking care of my mom and all of the things that needed to be taken care of at that time. But also he was helping me to give me the things that there were the desires of my heart because he knew me better than he, than I knew myself. There were opportunities for me to travel. So even though I couldn't fully get away from the experiences that I was having, the school that I went to, they offered uh, trips to Europe. So I was able to go to Europe, go to London, go to Paris. And then later on in, in the early on in my career, I was able to have a trip uh, to Germany that just really fell into my lap. And I was really thankful for that. And I think that kind of taught me in a way uh, to to take time out for myself. Because I remember people knowing at, at college that I was going through this and that I went to Europe a second, my second trip to Europe. And people were like, you should go. Like, you really, you really should go. Like, they knew that I had a lot like hanging and that was heavy on me, but taking time out for myself and not allowing myself to just always be on everything. You know, you do have to take those moments for yourself because it, it's a journey. You know, I had to get used to advocating for my mom and, you know, along the way there were issues with her care and with different health professionals that weren't on their game. And when my mom at some point when in my early 30s became critically ill i had a church family that was really able to lift me up and i i shout out dunamis outreach ministries and my friends that were really there and like critical for me at the weakest part in my journey um, because i was you know desiring marriage and, and family a home life and caring for my mom, it, it really felt like those things could not all coexist. And, you know, my mom ended up, you know, passing in my early 30s. But at the same time, those things were able to, to kind of coexist and just different in God's timing. So I was able to take care of my mom in, from the age of 14 to about 31. And into my 30s, I was able to you know, go on and create an independent life for myself. And my mom uh, was able to have, you know, the perfect health and healing uh, when she went on, when she passed on. And when I think about this, I think about, yes, we're dealing with this individually in our in our own families and communities, but certainly there's, there's room for, the United States government to start creating more mental health policies with caregivers in mind, because obviously in the past few years, there's been more of a focus um, since the pandemic, but caregivers a lot of times aren't top of mind when they're creating these these policies. And when you think about the the baby boomer population aging, there are so many adults right now that are caring for older parents. And, but I am thankful out of the things that happened with COVID-19 that there were silver linings that gave birth to a shift in the mindset of mental health and its effects. And now we're having, starting to have 
real substantive change for people to get relief for their everyday lives. It's still obviously a work in, in progress. There are some things that still need to be uh, implemented and you know, funding is always an issue. But I think that it's, it's really important for um, caregivers to also just discover outlets for themselves. And, you know, in the meantime, there are resources and you probably have to do a bit of digging because there, there weren't things for me when I was going through this process that I knew of other than, you know, my therapy. But I would say for coming from a, a, someone that was caregiving for, you know, 18 or so years is to discover outlets, things that are going to give you joy and fill you up, whatever me time looks like for you. You know, take those moments of reprieve when things are um, not so chaotic health-wise with the person that you're caring for. You know, if it's, it's doing a Netflix binge on something that's just totally silly and ridiculous. You need time for your brain to just kind of relax and, you know, give it like a bubble bath. You need those moments. If it's reading a good book, it's taking a walk. We know that exercise is great for our health. And when you're under a lot of mental stress and strain, you can be dealing with anxiety and depression and not even knowing it because you're so focused on that other person. And that's what kind of gets really lost in the process sometimes is there's so much focus on the person that you're that we're caring for and they're going through their their issues, their health challenges and ups and downs and they're valid and they need that care and concern. But the person that is actually giving the care they need that too, because they're getting worn down through that process. And that that was what happened with me. I was didn't have a toolbox. I didn't have any uh, resources. And, you know, this was back, you know, 80s, late 80s, probably like late 80s, 90s, early 90s, into the 2000s, where there just weren't these conversations that are being had. And so now that that's opened up, now it's a matter of acknowledging, yes, I may be feeling sad or lonely, um, just having moments of anxiousness because there is a lot of instability sometimes when you're caring for someone you don't know what's coming around the corner and that causes you to overthink, overprocess. But self-care as much as you can um, there are definitely like free ways of doing things, like I mentioned, and not feeling guilty that you're taking time out for yourself. I remember there was a time with my mom when it was getting very critical for her and I just needed to drive away and go to the bookstore up the street. And a dear friend of mine, my friend Rose, was told my mom basically like she needed to get away. She needed to take a beat. She needed a moment. And that was okay. It's okay. You don't have to feel guilty for um, spending a moment away because someone is having, you know, a health crisis. It's it really is acceptable to have your own moment. 
And when you have a support system in the way of friends that uh, you can just talk to and therapy if it's possible so that you can decompress and process because sometimes there's not a lot going on and it's you know a stable situation but other times it can be very up and down and you need that outlet and i also would like to say that to not overcommit when you are low energy and you need some time to yourself you know sometimes you need those moments just maybe it's in your room you may have a, a cry or uh, you may need to listen to some music really loud and just dance all over the room. But if you don't feel like going out on that day, that's great. Now, if it starts to continue where you're just like, ah, I'm really not feeling it and it's week upon week and month upon month, then there's something a little bit more going on because you can't just make your whole life that person um, that that you're caring for. And if there are others that may be listening that are like, hey, I know someone that is in this, this phase of life. What can I do for someone that is dealing with this? And I would say, first of all, don't assume someone is handling it okay. You don't have to overcorrect and constantly call and text because you know that's not sustainable after a while when your own life gets busy and they may depend on it too much. But I would just say, you know, it if it's it's okay. If if they're not handling it okay, they may feel bad for wanting to take time out for themselves because you know you tend to become smaller in this process. A lot of times when you're caregiving you don't you don't feel like you're centered anymore because everything revolves around that other person. So just to reach out, ask, you can ask them out if you want to give them a token of sending a card or a small gift, a text or a phone call, anything. So that person doesn't feel invisible because a lot of times I recalled feeling invisible in moments because my friends were out dating and having boyfriends and I, I was dating here and there but it was always kind of like in the back of my mind like am I going to be able to have my own life is this going to happen for me I mean I had my life but it was in tandem with someone else's and I couldn't live on my own independently at that time because she could not um, she didn't have the financial means to be on her own. And I was not sure that she would be mentally okay to handle all of the, the layers of life. And so I believe that she did become more dependent on me at that time in the space of life. But I am thankful for coming out on the other side of it. And I'm just uh, hoping that someone that is in the middle of this or someone that loves someone in the middle of this, that you can help them through this journey in whatever way um, you think that, that uh, will suit them best because you know them. And just for someone that's, that's personally having this journey that uh, you don't have to do this alone. Your feelings are valid. Um, you are not small, you are not invisible, and you are seen. Mm -hmm. 
hope that um, this this is helpful to you in this season and you can re-listen to it when when you forget about yourself and you have to remind yourself that that you are here that you are valued that you are special that you are actually cared for just as much as the person that you are giving care giving support to and uh, until next time i'll see you all on peculiar citizen